0: This morning, after our invocation, we'll be reading from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 5, and we'll be focusing on text number 37 only. And our talk today will be regarding uh, useless transactions and relationships, and of course how to avoid them. Or what constitutes them? Why is one relationship useful and another is useless? And when we uh, do it, perform any transactions of any kind between ourselves and other people, why are those transactions considered to be sometimes useless? So we we'll begin by chanting our prayers for invoking the blessings and the presence of the Supreme Lord here in the temple room with us.
1: Jaya radha Jai Radha It is coming
0: through
1: on the radio. Oh, so Jai Gopi Jaya Gopi Jana Vaala Va Giri Varadaare. Jashudanandan Braj Ranjana. Yamuna tirabana chare Yamuna tirabana chare Jai Jaya rata mahata vahun hari premananda Jaya om vishnupad paramahamsa Parivitaka charja
0: hasto tadasata sri Madhav's divine loving grace Abhayachanarabindabhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada ki Jaya Om Vishnupada Paramahamsa Parivijaka Chaja Hasto Tarasacha Sri Srimad's Divine Grace Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada ki Jaya Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda ki jai. Iskhan B.B.T. Phanra-charja-sil-prabhapar ki jai. Iskhan Guru-parampara ki jai. Shirup rupsi sanatan bhata raganath si jeeva kopal bata dasa Raghunath, satko Sami, prabhu, ki jai. Ananta-koti-vaishnarvinda ki jai. Namacharja-sil-harirasta-kura ki jai. Premzikohu Sri krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda shri chaitanya Shri Advaita Kadadhar Shivasadi Gaudabhakta Rindaki Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakund Radha Kund Girikovadana Ki Jai Shri Vandavan Dham Ki Jai Shri Maturadham Ki Jai Shri Jagannath Puridham Ki Jai Shri Shri Radha Ki Jai Ganga Devi Ki Jai, Jamunamai Ki Jai, Tulsi Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Samaveda bhakti ki Jai, Brihat Madanga, Transcendental Book and, and Literature Distribution Ki Jai, Nitai Gora pramananda Hari Hari Bo. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. 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 Hari Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namon Krishna Krishnavastaya, Bhutale, Shimati Bhakti Vedanta, Swaminiti Namane, Namaste, Sarasvati Devi, Gwadabadi Pachanine, Nivashesha, Shurnivadi, Vastyatare, Shitarine. And I think we failed to say, Prasadam distribution of Ki Jai, So this morning, once again, we're reading from Canto Number 1 of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the glorious, spotless Purana. And we're in Chapter 5 of this chapter entitled, Narada's Instructions on the Srimad Bhagavatam. And we're getting very close to the end of this chapter. And the next chapter that we read in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Chapter 6 of Canto 1, will be conversation between Narada and Vyasadeva. So we understand that from this chapter that Narada Muni, who is a great devotee of the Lord, has been helping Srila Vyasadeva, who is the composer, the writer of the Srimad Bhagavatam, has been helping him to understand why it is that he needs to write the Srimad Bhagavatam after having done the monumental, monumental work of, of uh, dividing the Vedic literatures into four separate branches. And now Narada Muni is telling him, you need to con- compose a literature that will speak entirely of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his activities and his devotees. So, canto 1 chapter 5 text number 37. And we'll we'll read an entire line and those of you who are listening in or in the temple complex here, you can repeat after we read it the first time. Om namo bhagavate tyubhyam. vasude dhīmahi Vāsudevāya dhīmahi Pradyum na iñāni dhīmahi Nāmahā cha sankarshanāyacah Let's read again. Om namo bhagavate tūbyam Vāsudevāya dīmahi Pradumna yanda nirudhāya Nama sankarśa nāyaccha Now I'm going to read it... uh, On my own this time and without uh, stopping between the lines. Om namo bhagavate tubhyam vāsudevāyati mahi pradumnāyā nirudhāya namaha sankarsanayacca So word-for-word translations by His Divine Grace Śrīla Prabhupāda. Uh, repeat after me. Om, the sign of chanting the transcendental glory of the Lord. Nama, offering obeisances unto the Lord. Bhagavate, unto the personality of Godhead. To unto you, Vasudevaya, unto the Lord, the son of Vasudev, Dimahi, let us chant Pradyumnaya, Anirudhaya, and Sankashanaya. All plenary expansions of Vasudev, Namah, respectful obeisances, Cha, and. And the translation now by Srila Prabhupada, His Divine Grace, S. C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. And the purport also by Srila Prabhupada. Translation. Let us all chant the glories of Vasudev. Along with his plenary expansions. Pradyumna, Aniruta, and Sankarshan. So, want to repeat with me on this, Sam? Let us all chant the glories. Of Vasudev. Along with his plenary expansions. Pradumna, Aniruddha, and Sankarshan. That was the translation. Now the purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. According to the Pancharatra, Narayan is the primeval cause of all expansions of Godhead. These are Vasudeva, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. Vasudev and Sankarshan are on the middle, left, and right. Now, Prabhupada is telling us how they stand when they're in their deity forms. Pradyumna is on the right side of Sankarshan, and Aniruddha is on the left of Vasudev, And thus the four deities are situated. They are known as the four aides de camp. ...of Lord Sri Krishna. Aids camp means, I think, just uh, personal uh, assistance. This is a Vedic hymn or mantra... ...beginning with Omkara Pranav. And thus the mantra is established... ...by the transcendental chanting process. Namely, Om, Namo, Dimahi, etc. Those are Prabhupada's words. The purport is that any transaction, either in the field of fruity work or in empiric philosophy, which is not ultimately aimed at transcendental realization of the Supreme Lord, is considered to be useless. Naradji has therefore explained the nature of unalloyed devotional service by his personal personal experience in the development of intimacy between the lord and the living entity by a gradual process of progressive devotional activities that this this means uh, that we can develop a, an intimate relationship of the lord by simply performing devotional activities Such a progressive march of transcendental devotion for the Lord culminates in the attainment of loving service to the Lord, which is called prema, in in different transcendental variegatedness called rasas or tastes. So we understand then that the highest uh, perfection of service to the Lord uh, is called prema, and it is in, it is in uh, different varieties. We can experience it in different varieties known as rasas or tastes. Such devotional service is also executed in mixed forms, namely mixed with fruitive work or empiric philosophical speculation. So that, that's indicating that devotional service can be in mixed forms and it can include fruity work and philosophical speculations. Now, the question was raised by the great rishis headed by Shonaka regarding the confidential part of Sutta's achievement through the spiritual master is explained herein by the chanting of this hymn consisting of 33 letters. And this mantra is addressed to the four deities, or, or or the Lord with His plenary expansions, the central figure is Lord Shri Krishna, because the plenary portions are His aides de camp. The most confidential part of the instruction is that one should always chant and remember the glories of Lord of the Lord Sri Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead along with his different plenary portions, expanded as Vasudeva, Sankarshan, Pradumna, and Aniruddha. These expansions are the original deities for all other truths, namely either Vishnu Tattva or Shakti Tattvas. Om Gana Timarendasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chaksuran Militam Jena Tasma Sri Gurave
1: Namah
0: Shri Chaitanya Manovistham Savitam Jena Bhuttale Svayam Rupakadamaya Dhratti Svavarantikam Jai Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunitananda Shri Advaita Karadhara Shiva Sari Bhakta Hare Krishna Hare Krishna, Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama
1: Rama, Rama
0: Hare Hare Vanchakalpata Rubyascha Kripa Sindhubya Eva Cha Patitanam Bhavan Ebhyo Namo Nama Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Sri Mathe Tamal Krishna Goswamaniti Namane So we'll read once again text number 37 in chapter 5 of the first canto. Let us all chant the glories of Vasudeva along with his plenary expansions for Dumna, Aniruddha, and Sankarshan. Now, Srila Prabhupada in his purport has stated that the purport is that any transaction either in the field of fruitive work or in empiric philosophy which is not ultimately aimed at transcendental realization of the Supreme Lord is considered to be useless. So, How do we take that, then, regarding the way most people in our society look at different kinds of of work and different kinds of relationships? There are some people who come into Krishna consciousness, and when they're told that a lot of their association, a lot of the people that they have been associated with for quite some time, is not necessarily beneficial they their making advancement in Krishna consciousness. And so a lot, and, and many of the different kinds of transactions that can be, uh, for example, purchases, are also not very useful in the advancement of Krishna consciousness. So uh, we, many of us find ourselves at some point in our life performing what seemed to be just strictly material endeavors. And some examples of that will be very familiar to everyone, like getting educated. Uh, Many of us spend at least the first 18 years of our lives going to school, and that that takes us through high school. And then if we feel academically inclined and we're ready to go on further in our studies, uh, we might go for another two years uh, to a community college or we might even transfer over to a, a uh, university. And here in Dallas, we have a number of, of respectable universities located around the Dallas County and outside the county. And so one can continue on until he gets into his uh, uh, early to mid-20s. Uh, some people graduate from college very quickly uh, at the age, maybe at the age of 21, some of us go on until we're 23, 24 years old, maybe because we're working or because we're having to take reduced loads. So these are, these are a considerable portion of our lifetime that is spent in getting this so-called education. And what is the purpose of getting educated? It's to find a job, isn't it? So what used to be strictly an academic thing going to college, uh, when you in which you would learn about culture, you would learn about scientific uh, information, and you would learn something about the mathematics, you might even learn some engineering. But now, after a period of time, ever since uh, public schools were introduced in the United States early on in the history of this country, um, young people have been invited to go, and then finally have been required to go to some type of school uh, to help prepare them for their lives in this industrialized, commercialized, militarized society. In other words, if you want to earn a living, you have to show that somehow or other you can perform some useful task for that will benefit the rest of society. Uh, regardless of what, what what it might be. And there are so many variegated tasks that one can perform. And then when one gets out of school, finally, uh, and this may include another four years to get a doctoral degree, and if you happen to be in the field of medicine or in some other fields, occasionally you have to go for another two to three, four years even, of of extra of of uh, graduate work so that you can develop a specialization. Now, how can we say that all of that endeavor is useless? It's useless in the sense that it is temporary. Now, it can be temporary in the way of speaking of uh, a person's uh, working in a particular in a particular field for the first portion of his uh, professional or, or his uh, vocational career. Um, a person can can work for, say, 10, 15, 20 years doing the same kind of work and then can make the decision, uh, especially when he gets into his 40s and 50s, that, well, I've been doing this long enough. Now I think I would like to try doing something else. And sometimes that requires going back and getting even more education. And so then that person gets, takes up a, another type of work and, and, uh, and then continues on with that unless he becomes a little bit uh, um, despondent with that type of work also and decides that, no, this is not the way I want to spend the middle portion of my life either. So regardless of the amount of education that one gets, one can decide that at any time, can decide that, all right, that's enough. I've had enough of this. Now I'm going to move on to something else. And sometimes they're very successful in doing that. And maybe they'll continue for the rest of their professional lives working at at a job that takes them on into their 60s, maybe even into their 70s. And if they are very lucky, then they are very happy, or at least they're satisfied with the job that they're working at, and, they're, and they also have to be a little bit satisfied with the type of people that they're around. Now, what is wrong with all that? What is there? What, what makes us say, or what makes the Prabhupada say that this is a useless endeavor? And that is that if, it's, if it does not lead one to uh the uh, questioning one's own existence within this world and questioning one's activities and questioning how he uses the results of his activities and whether there is any supreme being whether there is any other kind of life after the demise of this body if if the, if the, if the work that you do and the education that you get carries you all the way into your 60s and 70s and it still hasn't given you the desire to answer these questions about who am I where did I come from what am I supposed to be doing where am I going when this body is finished then it's a, then it's of, of limited value let's say limited maybe not useless because there are some there's some good uses for it and one of those uses might be that uh, you know, if we're getting an education, getting a job, that we have to have some form of transportation. And I know that uh, uh, some young people come into this country from other countries, and they're a little bit surprised, taken aback perhaps, that you just about have to own some kind of a vehicle in parts of this country unless you live in a big city that has a lot of really good mass transportation available. And so a person then has to spend a a portion of a number of years of his life making a purchase of an automobile. Now, used to, about the longest amount of time that you could could get a loan for purchasing an automobile was about 36 months. That was typical, and maybe even less time than that. But nowadays, with automobiles costing as much as houses used to cost just a few years ago, then a person has to go into debt for maybe six years, 72 months, to get an automobile paid off. And everybody knows that an automobile generally begins to have some problems uh, before too many miles are passed. And so this is another one of those temporary purchases that we're forced to make by the nature of the society we're living in. And eventually, some a person might want to invest in, in a property, some kind of property, so that he can either build a house or he can go ahead and buy a house that has already been constructed there. And so that, uh, again, many people have to go into debt for a matter of 20 to 30 years of their lives just to provide for shelter, Over their heads. And of course we know that now houses are a lot more sophisticated. Those that are being built now. A lot more sophisticated than the houses that were prevalent. uh, Back in the early 1900s. And just for example. The house that I live in. uh, Just one block away from this temple. uh, Was built in the year 1918. 1918. So it, uh, in the year 2018 then, which was just a couple of years ago, the house that I'm living in turned 100 years old. Now, many houses don't, don't even last that long. Now, we're talking about the uselessness of certain transactions and relationships. And so we're talking about investing in education, investing in transportation, and now we're talking about investing in the housing that we're going to be occupying. And many of us uh, have, 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 have understood that it's a good thing not to have to make house payments when you get on into your 60s and 70s. Because at that time, there's a good likelihood that you will no longer be working at a type of job that you were working at earlier in your career. And maybe there won't be as much money available. Some people retire when they're 62, 65, 66 years old. And of course then that cuts way back on the amount of, of usable income so unless they're going to continue working part-time perhaps. And so uh, a, a house it will not generally hold its value very long unless it is just meticulously maintained. <clears throat> I can remember back when I was in the in the fourth grade, beginning the fourth grade, my parents moved from uh, a, a city, Mobile, Alabama up into the country in Mississippi, where my mother's uh, community was, her family community was, where my mother grew up. And very soon after moving up there, they began building a house. And they spent, I think, a a phenomenal amount of money getting that house built. seems like it was $10,000. And I can hear some of you chuckling because you know... That ten thousand dollars won't even make a decent down payment on an automobile nowadays, practically, what to speak of a house. But anyhow, that served that house that would that was built by local people using the materials that were available, served for a period of time. But then toward the end of their lifetimes, my mother and father's lifetimes, the plans were made to Make a four lane highway out of the two lane highway that ran, oh, just a hundred yards or so down the hill from their house. And so, uh, the, the highway department then began buying up properties that were along that, that path, uh, so that they could expand the width of the highway and then have right of way on either side, uh, more than they had in the past. And so, at, at one point in time then, uh, after my father had given up his body and my mother had moved away to be with my sister living in the state of Washington, uh, the house then was bought by the highway department uh, from my sister and myself. And then the house was immediately torn down. And now, when you drive back through that area you can see nothing that would give you a very good clue as to the fact that the house was once there and that people grew up there and lived and had relationships uh, for many, many years, decades. It's gone. It's completely gone. There's nothing to remind you that that house was once there. And I took that to be a good thing because if the house had remained then I might still, and my sister and I, might still have some attachment to it, the place that we grew up. But now it's been completely taken away, and we realize then that uh, even a, a purchase like a house, which takes, for many people, 30 years or longer to repay, to repay the debt, to make the payments, uh, it's a very temporary thing. And so we find then that uh, getting an education, getting a job, getting an automobile, getting a house, all these things are very temporary in nature. And it's expected that sooner or later they will go away from us uh, for some reason or another. Sometimes it's by our choice and sometimes it's not. And, and a very similar thing is regarding the types of friends that we choose and especially the person that we choose to spend the rest of our lives with us. And so that's it's getting a husband or a wife or a mate. And uh, and then uh, we find that in the society that we're in, when a person takes vows uh, promising to be faithful to the other person uh, till death do us part, well, generally that, that time is, is coming a lot sooner than one's death. As a matter of fact, in this society it is said that more than 50% of all marriages that take place will end in divorce. So a lot of young people now are becoming very much uh, uh, um, discouraged uh, to even go into that kind of relationship. So we find that they're taking a temporary route and that is, you know, as people do when they rent a house or rent an apartment, uh, they'll stay there for a while, and then they'll move on to something else. And that's, that's the way a lot of relationships are in this lifetime, especially in the Western countries. And it's now getting to be that way, we understand, even in India, that divorce or separation like that is taking place on a more and more frequent basis. So, what is the use of a relationship like that if it's not going to do anything for you uh, in the long run? So, regardless of whether you are making a purchase of an automobile, a house, or an education, and you're getting a job, or you're getting, a, a, you're taking a, a, a mate to go with you through the rest of your life. What's the use in considering them to be long-term relationships or transactions if they end up just, uh, you're, you're, you abandon them or they abandon you? <clears throat> so one performs his duties in spite of temporary results. In other words, uh, we, one has to have some kind of gainful employment, generally speaking, in order to support oneself. And one's family, uh, just like uh, Krishna told Arjuna uh, at the beginning of the battle, "You're a Chutria; it's your duty to fight. You have to do it." Uh, he said, "You know whether you want to, whether you want to do this fight or not, you're you're going to have to." So, <clears throat> taking on the responsibility then for supporting oneself and one's family then is. Is a way in which we maintain the respect that we get in our society, and of course, many times divorce or separation seems uh, just—it seems that there's no way to uh, um, to prevent it. That it just—it just happens. But um, one—one does one always lose respect in the society. Well, not necessarily, because if if other people have gone through similar problems, getting along with their mates or getting along with their family members, then they can kind of they can kind of sympathize with you if you if you find yourself in that situation of 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 a very short term relationship in a family situation. But anyhow, if one uh, does go ahead and continue on, then uh, one of the duties that one performs is just is providing for one's dependence. And so uh, if we have that responsibility, uh, we know that even that is, is going to be short-term. Because when our children get to be old enough to go to college, then they're kind of off on their own. And then a lot of the decisions they make about what to do with their rest of their lives is going to be uh, uh, tempered somewhat by the people that they're around and especially their peers. They're going to see what other people are doing their age that are getting college degrees. And there's a good likelihood that they're going to be following suit because that's just the way it happens. The people that we're around most of the time are the ones that have a great deal of effect on what we're going to do with our lives and what we're going to do as far as providing for our families, our dependents, and such. So if we do have that responsibility uh, for taking care of a family, then part of that responsibility should include uh, educating, especially our children, maybe our spouses also, on topics of a transcendental nature into their education. Otherwise, we can say that their education is going to be just like ours, and that is temporary. And you know, probably from your own experience, that regardless of how how, uh, technical the topics were that you studied when you went to school, that unless you use that information over the years, you're going to lose it. So that, that the old adage, use it or lose it, it, is, it becomes a, a, a useful thing to say about that kind of an education. So then we have to uh, uh, spend some time teaching our family members something that will give them a little bit better understanding of the nature of the world in which we live than we received when we were going to school. Because nobody told us all these things about the temporary nature of life and what would happen at the time of death because they simply did not know themselves. So we, we take that then as one of our requirements as responsible adults, to teach others to accept Krishna or the supreme Lord, as our life's focus. Now, how do we go about that? So we have to, one of the things that we can teach our kids and our and the people who are around us is to under, understand the reason that we sometimes have successes and sometimes we have failures or setbacks. That's kind of an important thing because remember all of those things that we prepared ourselves for in life by getting a good education they can change within a moment you, you know a company can close its business or you can be fired from your job or you can make a decision go to work for somebody else and uh, all of the uh, successes that you might have had over the years suddenly come to naught or there's no, there's actually no no actual benefit for them that comes from them. So uh, then there's, there's the thing about uh, what is causing us to have these failures? What causes us to have to suffer? And so once we understand that nobody else is responsible for our suffering besides ourselves, if we really understand that according to the Vedic information that we have received over the past two few decades then we can also pass that information along to the other people. Uh, especially, we should pass it along to those persons who are our dependents. So just as we are, are responsible for providing them with housing, with transportation, with education, and with the means of, of getting some kind of livelihood, so we also have to prepare them to understand that, that regardless of whether it seems that someone else is causing us difficulties in our lives, that really nobody else is responsible for the suffering that we have to go through than ourselves. And some people say, well, if God had created a perfect world, there would be no suffering. Well, actually, God did create a perfect world. And that's the one that we chose to leave when we came into this material world. So that perfect world is still back there, and it has more living entities like us in it than we would find on this planet or on the in, on the planets all over this universe. So uh, we we have to understand then that uh, there is there is no one besides ourselves. Who is responsible? If 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 we were not responsible for our suffering, in other words, if suffering were to come to us and we can think of no reason that we are having to suffer, then we might say that my well, we might talk to God and say, Well now you have you're the one that's causing me to suffer. Because aren't you the one that's in control of everything? Aren't you the one that meets out happiness and and uh, misery, or success and failure. Uh, if you don't, if you're not the one that does that, then that means that you're not in charge. Means that you don't have any control over it. Means that you got things started, maybe. <clears throat> but if you really, if you really exist, and if, and if you're good, as people say you are, then you should do something to minimize the suffering that I have to go through. And, and instead, I'm having so much misery to deal with. Sicknesses and unemployment and war and who knows what else is going to come to cause this trouble. Natural disasters like floods and, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, you know, uh, eruptions of volcanoes. These are all kinds of actions of the material energy of the Lord. That can, that can also cause us misery. Not just the persons that we have had to deal with, not just the houses that we've purchased, not just the automobiles that we've used for our daily transportation, but even our lives in this material world are affected by the different forces of nature. And so if, if God is not in control, then who is in control? Did he create a world in which there's no control? Did he create it and then just back away from it and said, all right, just do what you want to. You can either enjoy or suffer. It's up to you. Just do it. And, and if that's the case, then that's not taking much responsibility for that which he created. But we don't, we don't quite accept that. We understand that uh, we're the ones who come into this world of our own accord, and we're supposed to live by the rules. And to the extent that we live by the rules that have been established by the Supreme Lord, and by those persons who are His servants, the, uh, whom we worship also, uh, then uh, then uh, then we have to we understand that they, 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 if we don't follow those instructions, that we're going to suffer. Because just as there's, there are laws in the state that we're living in, and if we break those laws, they, they we're going to have to pay the price. So we also pay the price for uh, moral laws and for laws like governing how we use the planet that we're in. All of these uh, laws that we have to abide by uh, will will work against us if we choose not to abide by them. And so there are goals then that we uh, want to set toward a permanent situation. In other words, we've been talking about how temporary everything is. And even though it seems like a very beautiful place to be, this planet, um, and there are many kinds of enjoyment that we can have... uh, using our, both our bodies and the material substances around us that go into making up automobiles and airplanes and, and uh, river cruise boats and that sort of thing. Uh, all of these things are, are, are very temporary. So we want to work toward that which is permanent. And that permanent situation is not to be found on this planet or any other planet within this material universe it's only to be found by those who are ready and wanting desiring very hardly uh, very uh, very strongly to go back to the material uh, go back to the spiritual world rather that we have come from where things are not subject to change but things stay permanent and things are always full of happiness and bliss and and uh, that that uh, struggle and suffering are are noticeable by their absence in the spiritual world. So then, uh, what, what can we do for others? We can in, uh, encourage others to make a very wise choice of the kinds of material things that they purchase and the kinds of association that they have in their daily lives. In other words, the type of people that they spend their lives around because if there's anything that can influence us, it's it's the type of people that we're around, and it says um, uh, as as uh, as ye uh, as you uh, associate with other people, those are the those are the uh, types of characteristics that you will take on. Whatever you see that you uh, you enjoy about those other persons, those are the kinds of qualities that you also want to have. And so, it's very much true the same way in spiritual life. If we want to become godly people, then we have to try to make it uh, our our daily thing to associate with those who are also trying to become godly people. And in doing so, then we take on the qualities of spirituality, just as uh, we've been given the example of the iron rod held in the fire of a forge. That, uh, that iron rod, when it's heated up and heated up, it eventually takes on the two qualities of fire, one of which is heat and the other of which is light. So we can encourage, then, those persons who are around us, especially our dependents, those persons that we, we really feel we have some responsibility for, we can encourage them to, to make purchases that uh, have some connection with the spiritual life that we've been talking about. And to uh, gain the association of those persons who also share the similar goals that we do as devotees of the Lord. And in doing so, then we can become very comfortable and happy in this material world, which otherwise is step by step a very dangerous place to be. So we're going to stop here. And since we have no one present here in the temple room with us, we're going to end the class. And <clears throat> we offer our obeisances until, unto all the Vaishna devotees of the Lord who just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone, and who are full of compassion for fallen-conditioned souls. We offer our obeisances unto His divine grace. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who has brought these invaluable teachings to this country and given up many uh, niceties of life, much comfort, much family association that he could have had had he not chosen to carry out the the desires of his own spiritual master. So, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam which has provided us a secure place to live and gain spiritual knowledge for the past 40 years or even more. So, everyone, please uh, go out and try your best to remember the, the ultimate goal of life, which, is, which comes at the time of departure from our bodies. And uh, try uh, as best you can to to perform those practices, uh, to make those purchases, to have that kind of association that will lead you to the ultimate conclusion that the spiritual world is where you want to be and not to come back into this material world to do it all over again. Hare Krishna.